You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ordinarily professionals at this. <laughs> me for my Wendy's, we, me for my Wendy's review podcast, and you guys for this this beautiful thing. <laughs> Welcome to the Crunch. It is your boy Ethan, and I'm Patrick. Patrick, I'm going to do a really good job of introducing our guest today. Really? I'm gonna. I'm not going to ask him to introduce himself. I'm no. not going to ask him to list his credentials. Yeah. I'm going to prove that I've done my own research. Because this is what the Crunch Podcast has become. We have become an official, certified interviewing podcast where we that do is, a good job. Tia. That is absolutely right. So with that being said, Father Dan, tell the people about us. <laughs> I'm kidding. So we have Father Dan, Father at Father Rocket Dan on Twitter, on the podcast with us today. Father Dan's a priest uh, out in the Chicago area, um, formerly, no, currently the host of the Spicy Nugs podcast, one of the hosts, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> originator of various memes that you might know of, such as uh, No Sin Gang, Be Gome Saint, etc., etc. Be Gome Priest, Be Priesthood, Blowing he, uh, Up the Moon, etc. Blowing Up the Moon. He's one of the funniest, funniest priests on Twitter. Uh, I would dare I say the funniest priest on Twitter. And Ooh, wow. we have we have him here on the podcast today. Welcome, Father Dan. So glad Thank you're you here. Thank you very much. Glad to be on, guys. Thanks for uh, finally, after years of me uh, badgering <laughs> you through emails and text messages and, and Twitter DMs, <laughs> to uh, finally agreeing and breaking down and having me on. He's also did... possibly the priest with the most podcast-ready voice. I was talking That's to Father true. Anthony after the first time I heard Spicy Nugs Pod, and I was like, <laughs> Father Dan's voice is like warm butter being poured into my ears. Yeah, this is like what I want. A hug I, what brain. I want to do, I want to become the Roman Mars of Catholic podcasting. Oh, can I be the... What do I want to be, Pat? Can I be the... The Avery Truffleman? I don't know. See, you're making references. Now I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't get know. any of these references. I don't Listen, get it. <laughs> I thought you guys were trying to expand. You were going outside of Catholic-only podcasts and Catholic-only topics. So I'm bringing in the 99% invisible crowd here. Okay. Well, that's it's good. We've made a good start on doing our non-Catholic-only <laughs> podcast by bringing on a priest. So Amen. it is. It is what it is. I was thinking that I could be the 
the Father Anthony voice of podcasting. I really want to have his his voice and his style. Patrick, you're going to have to. Are you oh, going to no! scream? Here it comes. That's the Father Anthony. Yeah, come on, guys. What are you talking about? I'm Father Anthony. Oh, come on, you go. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you guys were going to have him on at the same time as me. That's exactly him. No, really. I promise. No, really. That's my father, Anthony. Yeah, 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 yeah. And all the time, like, moving his hands in and out like he's spinning a DJ turntables, but up How was, Father Dan, tell me for you, I heard kind of through the Clerically Speaking episode where all of you were on it, that maybe the Catholic Twitter priest get-together in Chicago was a little stressful for you. How, uh... How did that trip end up? No, honestly, it was a blast. Uh, But there were just so many different things going on in my life that week. So I didn't actually take uh, vacation time. Oh, so I was sort of there were still times that I had to be in the office and I had various meetings and things going on. Mm -hmm. But also, as as folks who have been following me on Twitter know that my dad has been uh, ill. So he's been Mm -hmm. in uh, the hospital and he's been in a rehab place and he just came home this last week. So. It's kind of trying to figure out you know, at least where my mind was, like trying to make sure that all those different um, pieces could still line up together somehow. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's tough. But you still made it work. You had a spreadsheet. The spreadsheet was key, you know, and I really just <laughs> wish that more of the fellas would have consulted the spreadsheet more regularly. So I don't remember. I think we talked about this on that on that group podcast that we did. But um, so we're, we're doing our big church tour, right? So I'm right. like, all right, great. We want to have Polish food. We're going to see some Polish churches because, you know, obviously Chicago, that's what you got to do. And we, we start the day, we go to a, a vestment store cause we're priests and we want to look at beautiful vestments. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, we are going to St. Mary of the angels. And as every Catholic should know, you have to be very <laughs> specific when you're talking about churches dedicated to our lady, because there's millions of them. Oh my you know? gosh. There's so many different titles for her. There's so many different names. So I was like, we are going to St. Mary of the Angels. I said this like two or three times to them. Also, it was listed in the spreadsheet. So you know, it was there. <laughs> it was in and the address and geographic coordinates. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Latitude and longitude. I gave them a little Google map of like what intersection this, this thing is at. <laughs> you really so, did everything. <laughs> and so they end up going to, instead of typing in St. Mary of the Angels, they go to Our Lady of the Angels, oh. which again... You might, if you were not a Catholic, you might think that, wow, that's probably the same thing, right? Absolutely not. But if you have a master's degree and studying studying for a doctorate, you should know the difference, Father Harrison. (laughs) Father Harrison. (laughs) 100% agreed. And they can't claim that, like, it was too early, they hadn't had coffee or whatever, because we did. We had breakfast. We had coffee. It was all there. It's completely their own fault for not consulting the spreadsheet. Capital T, capital S, the spreadsheet. Amen. Did you, Father, did you ever expect when you were ordained that you would have a bunch of priest friends through Twitter from around, from international uh, places, international locales? Is that something that you ever, like, was even a a twinkle in your eye when you were ordained? What's that, (laughs) what's that been like? It was my only goal when I was, no. (laughs) No, it's, it has been really wild. Um, I think... I don't remember if I started Twitter before this because there was a time when I was in seminary that I had some social media accounts and then I deleted them all just to kind of restart. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I was on Twitter before 2013, maybe, Mm. uh, right before I was ordained in 2014. And like most people, Twitter, it takes a long time to figure out what's going on. And and, (laughs) yeah, and even then, I think I saw some statistic that was like 90% of the people on Twitter make only 10% of the posts on Twitter. Really? 
Wow, there's really there's really a tweet disparity on Twitter. We really are the one percent. That's crazy. Um, I mean, and that's wild (laughs) to think that like this subgroup of Twitter is producing so much content and making so many posts that it's making up for everybody else who just sort of lurks and just sort of observes. So because most uh, people lurk and observe and might not be aware of the priest DM, because we talked about a big tw- <laughs> a big priest Twitter meetup and people might be expecting a bunch of 80-year-old priests hanging out in Chicago, but mm-hmm. can you can you explain to us like the origins and who it, yeah. who who it is that is in your little priest gang? Can you pull back the curtain on the priest DM? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, <laughs> what I want to say is is this, right? Um because sometimes we'll get people who are like, oh, I'm a priest or I'm going to become a priest. Does that mean that once that happens, I'll get to join the priest TM? So I think there's some sort of um, uh, disservice that we've done to ourselves by like mm, branding yeah. it as the priest TM mm. because it's not. It's not this ultra mega. It's not like every priest it's on Twitter huge, is on there. Thread, yeah. No, I mean, I think there's like seven or eight of us who are in there. And frankly, it started because I don't remember. It was like some thread and... Father Harrison and Father Anthony and I, and maybe Father Shrank too, and I think Friar Nick, all kept commenting on each other's posts and having mm-hmm. these conversations sort of on the timeline. And so we decided, uh, we meaning me, I was just like, hey, I think I sent a bunch of those guys an invite. And I was like, let's just use this as a place to uh, talk about things instead of just making it all on a time. Not that there was anything bad that was happening on the timeline or we didn't need to have like secret conversations or anything, but it was just we were interacting so regularly on the timeline that I said, well, let's just have this wow. group uh, DM. Wow. That's so, that's powerful. I didn't know that you were the, the originator of the DM. It's true. I, I wield a lot of uh, soft power on Twitter that people <laughs> don't necessarily realize. What's, Father Dan's hegemony. That's that he, really, that's really interesting that you brought up that it was like kind of becoming something that is problematic because we actually experienced something similar. We did. When, there was there was like a there was like a Catholic and non DM while back when that was like a still okay thing. Was I in that? You were, and then and okay. then it kind of grew into like a, a it, it was just called like the Deus Vault group chat. Oh yeah, and I remember kept, that. The problem was it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where it was basically like just Twitter, just memes and memes, <laughs> and and it, it did it did get divisive when people left. It was there was a lot of like there was a lot of like. Um, I don't know exactly how to say drama and stuff like that. I'm, and I'm, I'm assuming I'm assuming that drama still exists and feelings still get hurt on the priestly level. But of course, you can imagine a bunch of teenagers is much more exaggerated. And like so, th- that, that's always something that I've been kind of concerned about, especially when we talk about who's a part of Catholic Twitter or not. Yeah. It's yeah. like how how do you create community where you have like a consistent group of people who are always talking to each other without it becoming exclusive that's just something that we all kind of do in our own lives like well this is our friend group and like more people can come but this is like i want to hang out with these people specifically how do you do that without becoming exclusive yeah i think that's a real challenge but there's always going to be some level of exclusivity in friendships anyway and it doesn't mean that somebody's a bad person it doesn't mean that they're you know we don't like you or anything like that but what it means is um I mean, you just can't, you can't be friends with everybody. Right. And I think there was some podcast that I was listening to about the Dunbar number. You guys are familiar with this? Yes. No. Oh, so that's uh, Ethan. Maybe you know more about it than I do, but it's something like there's a limited number of people that you can Mm -hmm. uh, basically have in your mind and have real relationships with as a human being, because once it gets bigger than that, some people are just going to fall off and it's somewhere around 
200 or 250, something like that. Hmm. I don't know exactly what it is, but that sounds about right. Yeah. But it's something like that. And so like, you know, Facebook was kind of the originator of this when you would see like, oh, this person has like a thousand friends. Well, no, they don't. I mean, obviously they don't. Nobody can have a thousand friends. And there's only so many people that you can actually care about and invest yourself in. Um, and in order to have somebody new, basically somebody else out, has to fade out of your life and has to fade out of that um, circle of, of people that you are really close with and that you, you know, take time with. So it isn't. Father Dan, a, uh, are you, are you breaking up with me? <laughs> is, that, is that what this is? Uh, I just presume that that's why uh, Jake is unfollowing everybody, which is oh, fine, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, right. Yeah, He's just shrinking his Dunbar number. Yeah, but see, I don't um But I did I take it personally this and theory. I blocked him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't subscribe to this theory that, like, nobody can be blocked or muted or that you have to follow everybody on Twitter. Like, just you're that just priest. doesn't make sense to me. Um, what do you mean by that? Like, is I feel like for priests online, there's this weird expectation of... Um, well, you, you might have to be charitable, Father. Like, you need to be charitable to all these people, and there has to be this certain extending of the olive branch to every single person that interacts with you. Um, when in reality, you don't have that the the time. You know, I mean, maybe maybe that's just an external, like, me seeing that with, with other people. You don't necessarily experience it, but has that ever been, like, a pressure of, oh, I'm a priest online, which means I have to do X, Y, and Z? You yeah, know? that conversation comes up every so often. Like there was a while um, when I think a number of us in the in that in that friend group were, you know, blocking more people or muting more people and just sort of saying that a little bit more publicly. Mm-hmm. And I think some people took some issue with that. And so mm-hmm. I thought about it. I prayed about it in the beginning of this year, a little bit after January 1st. I just was like, well, you know what? We'll make it a uh, what is it called? The Jubilee year of unblocking. And so I blocked everybody. <laughs> that I had blocked. I don't have anybody muted. Um, I've blocked too many corporate accounts that I don't mm-hmm. want to unblock. Every time I see yeah. an ad, I block it and get some nice ads. Yeah, I was doing that too. Uh, but I was like, you know what? I'm unblocking uh, everything. So I don't have anybody blocked. But I did uh, limit my notifications. So basically, mm. I only get notifications from people that I follow. That so follow. sometimes yeah. if people are arguing in, my, in, uh, in a thread under a post that I've made, like, I'm not seeing it, you know, and I'm okay with that because, um, how do you say this, right? Like, Twitter isn't real life. Um, and there are so many other concerns, so many other things that, again, just just like anything else, you don't share everything of yourself online. You share pieces of yourself online. Yeah. And so social media is a good way to interact with people. But it just like in real life, you don't have to interact with everybody in the same way. Um I'm not best friends with all of my parishioners, right? There's some people that I'm closer to than others. And it would be impossible for me to be best friends with all of my parishioners. It'd be impossible for me to be uh, close friends with any number of people that I meet, right? So there's, it's not a judgment on anybody like, oh, you're not worthy. You're not good enough to be my friend or you're not cool enough or whatever. It's just, it's just a limitation of all of our humanity. Mm -hmm. I think you bring up a really interesting point a couple interesting points that all kind of tie together of you're talking about how you took, you took some of these things to prayer and you're talking about how Twitter is not real life and you can only share so much of yourself online. And a conversation that Patrick and I have had a lot on this podcast is how does what happens online affect um, how we live mission and how we evangelize and how we 
live out our vocations in in the real physical tangible space because I think mm-hmm. that there are real conversations that are really good that happen um, especially kind of with our with our group of people that we run with like interesting points are brought up people get challenged their thought process gets challenged um, and so I f- we've talked a lot about how we take those things and we go and either do uh, youth group work or or college mission work um, with that and I think for a priest your your vocation is so uh, so different than the, that of a lay person. And so it's like, how have you seen what's happening online, like affect, um, you, how you live your priesthood basically has it or has it at all even? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think if anything, um, I try and I don't always succeed at this. Uh, I'm not perfect. That's hard to believe. I know. <laughs> but I think trying to be more open to people and more open to conversations. So frankly, like there is a distinction for me because I am a diocesan priest. I'm a parish priest. And so my priority is always going to be the people that I meet in uh, quote unquote real life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the people that I meet on my parish grounds, the people that I meet in the pews, the people that I see in the neighborhood, those folks are always going to have the priority for me compared to mm-hmm. conversations that I'm having online. Um, but I think there has been a sense of, um, I just kind of, a, because you, you encounter so many different kinds of people online who are in different places, they have such wildly different uh, vocabularies and they have such very different um, ways that they express what they believe that that part has been helpful because it, it brings in some of those voices so that if I encounter somebody who's using some of that kind of similar language mm-hmm. in my parish ministry, then I, I sort of have some familiarity with it already. Mm. I don't know. That was really kind of vague. I don't know if that makes sense. Kind of. What kind of language do you mean? Um, so I, I guess what I'll, uh, I'm trying, I'm thinking of an encounter that I had yesterday where, um, I was coming back. I'm, I'm coming back from the airport and I'm driving up to the parish and I see some people on our school playground, um, which is not an open to the public playground. And it was, you know, nine 30 at night or something like that. So I was like, well, time to go chase them off and lay down. the. Uh, <laughs> Just, can you imagine, out, you know, can you imagine being on a playground and father Dan comes hurtling at you? <laughs> In the middle of the Running night, full speed, <laughs> like just, just like panicking. anime arms flailing. Anime <laughs> arms. He has a plate of pierogi in one hand. He's gonna he's gonna make you eat it, or, mm-hmm. or you're you're gonna have to run. That's terrifying. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Go on. Go on. Um. Yeah. Sorry. So, but just trying to figure out. Okay, this is kind of a weird balance too, because it's like, well, these people shouldn't necessarily be here. Um, I want to check on what they're doing because our sort of a playground is a little bit more secluded from the public eye. Right. And so just want to make sure that nothing untoward is going on. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do I approach this, um, conversation? Uh, so I just go up and say, you know, Hey, what's going on? Um, you know, this really isn't open to the public and it's kind of late here at night. So, you know, if you guys, if you want to hang out, there's the public park across the street, but you know, do it there and, and not over here. Uh, and one of them, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but there was just something in this person's voice as I was like turning to walk away where it was like they needed to have a deeper conversation. So I ended up talking mm-hmm. with this person for, I think, another 30 or 45 minutes wow. um, as my, you know, 
luggage and all that stuff is still in my car because I hadn't done anything with it. I was just like, all right, well, I got to go check on this situation. It'll probably only take a second. But um, so, and they wanted to talk about sort of vague, odd uh, spiritualities and other sorts mm-hmm. of things. And for me, it was really about, okay, uh, this is my opportunity to tell you about Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father. And I think that is something that um, interacting online has given me more, uh, I don't know, more courage or more practice or more mm-hmm. something uh, to be bolder, to be more blunt about that and to say, mm-hmm. you know what, this is really what it is um, and just put it out there. Wow. Hmm. And then, Actually, of course, the person had a massive spiritual experience. And <laughs> the spirit. No. Now they're in the um, It left very vaguely, too. But it was, it was. I just told this person, like, give me a call sometime this week. Mm-hmm. I'll be here in the office and maybe we'll set up another time to chat more. And they seemed open to it. So wow. that was good. That's awesome. I actually, I think, I think I've seen that too in my own life. And in, in the sense of like, I think, I think originally my, my Twitter addiction, um, <laughs> it made me much more like secluded and reliant on the fact that I was like hiding behind a screen and could say whatever I want. It yeah. was more, it was less boldness and it was more like self-centeredness and like egotism. And so if I ever encountered someone in real life who had a differing opinion than I did, I wasn't able to shut down the conversation with like a, a quippy one-liner because I had to see the person the next day in school. But after a while, when I stopped being a, a, a little brat, um, I think, I think yeah, I think you're right. It, it, in going to Franciscan, I still had this access to like outside perspectives not in the sense of like I have an open mind because I'm talking to people who disagree with me. It was more like I have the opportunity to like have my beliefs challenged publicly mm-hmm. and still hold them, and so I'm not freaked out when that happens in real life. And if, even in even in youth ministry, right? It's like not not all of my youth ministry kids are 100% sold on this whole Catholicism thing, and I don't expect them to be. Um, and a lot of a lot of my a lot of my practices in not just debates but like explaining the church online in quick and succinct ways has helped my ministry in that way. But I'd like to bring up something that you mentioned. You talked about like your, your dedication to your local area. I think, I think that I've always thought of that as something that's just specific to the priests. But I I know that I know that like canonically, I don't have an obligation to a certain area because I don't, I don't have like a, a, an obedience thing with my bishop to the extent that a right. priest does. You know that o- that okay. obedience thing. Yeah. But I do think in a, in in a certain respect like none of us are n- none of us are citizens of the world in the sense that like none of us are globally focused. We're all locally focused. We're just pretending sure. we're globally focused. Mm-hmm. And so how how can how can a how can a layperson, a lowly lowly layperson such as myself kind of take that that diocesan spirituality of of the priesthood of like this is these are my people and kind of apply that to our ministry in our everyday lives yeah that's a good question i you know you started you said uh you're right in the sense that you don't technically have a canonical obligation but everybody has a canonical parish Mm -hmm. uh everybody has a territorial parish basically that they're assigned to and then sometimes outside of that you might um have a canonically assigned like a national parish or some other sort of parish that you could be a part of but um that's one thing that i think people it's very easy in our world where everybody's much more mobile and they have access to transportation. And again, that's yeah. really not everybody because that's 
you know, those who are poor, those who are in the inner cities, those who they don't have that. Right. So they, they do have to walk to their parish. They do have to be close. But a lot of people, particularly those online, um, they have access to go wherever they want to for mass. Yeah. And so it sort of builds a culture of I'm going to it kind of builds that consumerist culture, the consumerist mentality of I'm going to find the place that I like that does things yeah. the way that I like them done. And then that's the place where I'll get involved and invested. Now, it's just a little bit it's it's tricky here because although everybody has a territorial parish, a canonical parish based on just where their residence is, based on where they live, um, you might not actually, for one reason or another, you might not find yourself really at all spiritually nourished by that parish. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so then I think it is a good thing to go and seek something else. So I don't really know how to define where that line is, but I think there is a line somewhere between too much um, parish shopping and kind of ignoring obligations to a local community uh, and really needing to be somewhere where you can be more fed and grow closer to Jesus Christ. You definitely see that on Twitter a lot, people driving an hour and a half to go to a Latin mass every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And there's not necessarily something wrong with that if that's the nearest parish. But I think that if you're if you're like if you're driving past five your, uh, yeah. Novus Ordo parishes to get to the, the one, it's not always bad, but it is a question that should be asked of like, why are you yeah. actually doing this? Because I think it, it points to the conversation that has been being had on um, – uh, other podcasts and online of like what is actually the the purpose of mass what is actually the point why do we go and what what are we what are we there for are we there to get something out of the mass which is either being aesthetically pleased or um like feeling rewarded or emotionally high or whatever like if we're going for those things of like oh i like um all of the statues and all the tradition and all of the gold and um, father's homily really shakes me up and that makes me feel good, you know, or that makes me, that challenges me for the next week. Um, or do we not think about those things and do we think about, Oh yeah, I actually go because the Lord is there and the Lord is present. And like, that's my first priority. Um, and those things are not bad to, to desire and to want. Um, but when all of our other decisions are based upon, I want to be aesthetically made comfortable and I want to be challenged or emotionally rewarded, um, through a homily or through music or whatever, then it's like, what, uh, why are we actually going to mass? You know, yeah. like, and it's, mm-hmm. it, it might be that those things are objectively better, but again, I hesitate to say that it's always better um, to be comfortable in that way. Um, I don't know. I, again, I, I agree with you, Father Dan, cause it's hard to say like where the, that line is for, for people. Cause you don't want to just say, Oh, go to the felt banner mass because Jesus is there too. You know, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, depending on how the words of institution are said, right? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think I think this desire for comfort is something that we see a lot in, as as propagated by our culture, right? It's just something that it's just something that we want. We just always want to be comfortable. Um, one time, one time, I was really hungry, and my mom said, "Just Patrick, just let yourself feel hungry." Because you don't get to feel that very often, and I was like, "Huh, that's a, that's a real good point, Mom." Actually, I think I will just let myself be hungry because I, I was like, "I was like, I, I need to eat. I'm hungry," but that's not necessarily true because I mean, I need to at least eat within the next eight hours, or I'll also start to feel sick. But like, let's be real, I I'm never more than eight hours away from food, right? Mm-hmm. And and similarly with similarly with uh, with our Catholicism, we tend to get that way where 
we're like, well, I'm not perfectly comfortable in this in this church. I'm not perfectly comfortable with this mass. So I'm just gonna like wish I was somewhere else for now. And that's really like yeah. that's really evil. Yeah. Like that's that's like a that's a really that's like a really tiny little like like demon pulling at you. Like, don't you wish you were somewhere else? I was t- I was talking to my youth group kids about the church yesterday, and I was I was vaguely referencing First uh, Corinthians thirteen where. Paul says, we see it now as in a mirror, though dimly, but soon we will see face to face. I was like, mirrors, right now we look at we look at God through a mirror, and we look at the church. The church is the mirror with, that we see, like, through which we see heaven and, like, how we will live. And sometimes mirrors have smudges and distortions, and I think we as Catholics tend to look at the smudges. Sometimes they're pretty big ones. We look at yeah. the smudges, and we miss, like, the reflection of God. And I, I, I'm, I'm sure in a lot of churches, like, I don't think there's actually a church in America that knocks it out of the park every Sunday in terms of like all of the, the smells and bells and the homily and the music. Like, I don't actually think I've been to a parish. And so if I keep saying, if only this was better, I'm going to keep saying that for every mass until I die. I'm never mm-hmm. going to be happy at mass. Yeah. And there's, um, there's something that makes sense about that because, Mass itself, as we experience it, is a is a transitional sort of thing, right? Yeah. It's meant to prepare us for that eternal liturgy in heaven. Um, but what does that look like? I mean, is it all in Latin? Maybe, but um, <laughs> it's it's somehow, you know, it speaks to a, a deeper part of us. But yeah, nobody gets it perfect week after week because we're human beings and we have failings and we have flaws and we have our own um, preferences. And we have our, you know, one of the things, um, so kind of along those lines, I remember Father Harrison was one time saying something about how people have a sense of like, oh, yeah, you know what priests should do more of is preach about abortion. They should preach about contraception all the time. And Father Harrison was like, my parishioner's average age is like 70 years old. Why am I going <laughs> to preach about contraception and abortion? <laughs> yeah. right? They're not having issues with these things. He needs to preach about something else. And so there's a danger in terms of like, you know, why is it that we want, what we want is priests to preach about, like, I want to make those people uncomfortable, right? Yeah. But I, I don't want to be made uncomfortable because mm-hmm. I relish other people being made uncomfortable because that's yeah. what they need to hear. Someone but, someone just knocked on my door. I think it was Father Anthony. Should I let him in? No. Yeah. Tell him, tell him I said hello. Come, come in. Come, come in. You were correct. It, hey, Father Anthony. <laughs> oh, are you guys recording? Yeah. Come here. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh darn it, this guy again, again, crashing again. Oh, oh, hey, hey, oh, hey. It's, it's father, it's father Dan. Welcome back father to the Dan Spicy Nugs podcast. <laughs> I can't hear him because he's in your headphones. Yeah. All right, oh. I was going to talk with you about youth ministry things, but you do your podcast. <laughs> I was talking about your actual job you're getting paid for. But no, you can go ahead and do your podcast. Don't worry, there'll be no ramifications. For All right. By the way, quarterly reviews are tomorrow, and we will be talking about this. <laughs> All right, yeah, like an hour or half an hour, yeah. Thanks for projecting, by the way, so it gets into the microphone. <laughs> Did you tell him I said hello? He, I, I, I didn't, but he like, wow. I mean, he, he saw, saw you wave, so. Oh, he, okay, he That's saw me. That's so on the face. funny. Yeah. Okay. Patrick, you're going to get fired. I knew that was going to happen, too. That's, I, I knew that, that was going to happen. That is so funny. Because I was like, I was like, I, I, I walked by him, so whenever whenever I like walk by him, he never actually says hi or talks to me about business, business things for at first. So we'll just like say hi, and then I'll like walk to my office, and I'll see him when he gets settled and walks up. And then I walked up and I was like, oh, crap, we're starting the podcast in 15 minutes. He's definitely going to interrupt this podcast. But <laughs> yep. I'm glad it happened. It was hilarious. 
So um, that's that's uh, if if we if we post if we post the yesterday's uh, live show in two parts, that means that Father Anthony will have crashed three weeks in a row. That's we can't allow that. We need. To we can't allow that to happen. We, we cannot allow. It'll that. become like a recurring segment on your show. I know that actually <laughs> would be pretty funny. He's like he's like the mailman that pops in in the middle of Mister Rogers. Hey, what about the mailman that pops in on the crunch? <laughs> the mailman Teresa. <laughs> no, I was the mailman. For it one was, episode, it was me. Wait, it was that was me you? the whole time. <laughs> it was for one episode. It was a long time ago, and I did a whole voice, and it was just bad. It was a bad. It was really bit. funny. It was. It was all right. What were we talking about? Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I got uh, lost. I got lost in Father Anthony's of voice. Deep, deep, sultry voice. His deep, sultry Talking voice. about that sense of um, comfort, I think, that oh, we like yeah. to be comfortable. But sometimes that, that sense of comfort is we get comfortable when other people are made uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean... It's like a negative right. sense of comfort. Yeah, but weird. there's a sense in which that is good for us, right? It's good for us to be made uncomfortable. It's good for us to feel hungry every so often. It's good for us to just sort of sit with that. Uh, and have a different kind of experience and that discomfort when it happens to us is something that can help us grow mm-hmm. when it happens to others if we are sort of reveling or rejoicing in this in their discomfort i think that's a negative thing mm-hmm. um, but if their discomfort leads us to reach out to them in a in a kind of way and uh, I don't really know what I'm trying to say here but um, hmm. if it if it helps us grow in love for others then I think that's good if it helps us if it causes us more to sort of be more um, clearly separated from them then I think that's negative hmm. Hmm. yeah I think yeah I think that's right and I think uncomfort can be said in many ways of like mm-hmm. or, or right, somebody <laughs> On the nature of comfort, um, the you can be uncomfortable because of a homily or because of a mass because it's it's not what you prefer or it's because you are getting challenged. Um, I think those are like the two main ways of like, oh, I don't like this type of mass or I don't like what the priest is saying um, because or it's, because it's actually bad. Well, that's or, yes, <laughs> right, right, right. But yeah. that's let's just we we can all acknowledge that that's not good. Um, yeah, but so I think that. Um, like in my experience where I'm either on mission or, or at a parish at home, like the, this can be an experience for a lot of my guys where they'll come, they'll come to mass and maybe that's not something that they do very often, right? That's not something that they is a, is a main part of their life is they'll come on Wednesday night. Cause I asked them to, and they'll come on Sunday night because they have to. Um, but it's really like, that's the extent of it, you know? And it's, and if they do come, then it's kind of like, a, I'm going to sit here and maybe I'm going to suffer through the homily and, and maybe I'm going to check my phone and like, it's just a challenge. Right. And so 
for me, it's it's an opportunity to say, okay, I'm looking at these guys and I'm looking at how, at how they're going to mass, which means I also need to start looking at how I myself go to mass. Of am, What am I going for? Why am I here? Why am I actually inviting them? Because if I'm not totally in love with the mass, regardless of what actually happens, um, not regardless, but considering if everything's licit, right? Regardless of what actually happens. Yeah. In the mass, regardless of licit. Yeah. Um, am I, am I still absolutely in love with it? And does that, um, actually show? And I think that's a question that a lot of people should ask themselves of like, yeah, this is the, this, the source and summit or whatever you want to say, the most important part of our day, the most important part of our week. Um, do we actually act like it and do we talk like that or do we just kind of t- focus on the negative aspects, um, of other masses or of our own mass? Because that's not that's not evangelistic. It's not actually going to bring anybody towards the faith. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know the answer to anything. I just I'm trying my best. Maybe. One of my <laughs> one of my youth group kids made a really one of my youth group kids made a really good distinction yesterday. It was actually it was actually I was I was very I was very touched. I was happy with what he said. So he was we were talking about like why do you go to mass? Yeah. Um, and he was like, well, mostly like besides the whole parents forcing me thing. It's like he's like I think I'm kind of over that. I think now it's just like it's guilt. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, and he's like, well, not like the bad kind of guilt. He's like, there were two, there's, he's like, there are two kinds of guilt. There's like the guilt where like, I'm guilty because I know I should be doing this and I'm not. And there's guilt. Like I didn't do something and someone's making me feel bad for it. Mm-hmm. So like, it's similar with, with discomfort. It's like, there's discomfort because I should be, this should be something that it isn't. Or like, I should be, this should be good. And it's not which is like sad. Then there's other uncomfort. There's uncomfort when someone is like forcing something on you and it makes you kind of like feel weird. Like I would say one, one time I was at, I was at a homily. I was at a, I was at a mass and there was a homily during it um, where the, it was on the loaves and the loaves and fishes. And the priest was kind of talking about how it, it was a miracle of sharing. Oh, the, I love own. the miracle of sharing. The miracle. Oh, of, no. He was talking about how the, the, the miracle of the loaves and fishes was everyone actually had all the loaves and fishes they needed. They just weren't, they were, they weren't ponying up essentially. And so, um, it was very, I felt very uncomfortable, but it wasn't because I needed to change. It was because something else needed to change. Right. But I, I didn't just like not go back to that church anymore. Um, yeah, I've seen yeah. somebody else say that, like, if you have a real difficulty with your, with your parish where you're going and you don't like the music or you think the homilies are bad, one of the questions that you should ask yourself is, am I praying for the priest? Mm. Am I praying that um, his homilies get better? Am I praying for his delivery while he's doing the homily? Am I praying for him, you know, leading up to that? Um, That I think is a good thing because it's very easy to simply get into a mode of criticism about, I don't like this. This wasn't good. This could have been better. But instead, can I say, okay, let me pray for this person. And then perhaps through that prayer, God will help me find a way to bring that up in a way that's appropriate in a way that's actually loving so that the person knows that um, they are cared about by me. That was all kind of weird passive voice. And I apologize. Um, that reminds me of something Gandhi once said. No, I was just about to bring this up. Oh boy. One time I went to a, to a church and the priest called Gandhi a Christian and, hmm. or like said that he embodied the gospel message because he, he was a, a civil disobedient or whatever civilly disobedient and got got arrested for being whatever he was i don't know exactly what he was talking about he said that gandhi was was a full embodiment of the gospel message and i was like he was a hindu man i was very yeah, upset. there's something there that's that's not quite 
you know, and I get that at the end of our life we'll be judged on work and that's an important thing. But, um, you know, to say that not having any faith in Jesus Christ is not part of that is uh, that's kind of odd. Yeah, it was it was strange, but that's like a good reminder of like I actually need to pray for that priest. I haven't been back there because it was a one off, you know, church experience. But hey, one second, you guys talk. I gotta go take care of something. Okay, are you okay? Have fun. Let's talk about Patrick. Is is that code for him going to the bathroom? It might be. (laughs) He sounds. He muted his microphone, so I'm assuming that he actually has some work to do. But we'll see. I I don't have any work to do right now. This is. I mean, this is my job currently. Perfect. I'm, Um, I'm I'm loving it. What was I going to add to yeah, what were you say about that? Dead air on a podcast is you know, it's stuff. huge. This it's huge. Good. I trust that you have good insights because you have. Oh yeah. So there this was, um, I think when father Harrison and father Anthony were on um, catching foxes this last yeah. week. And I was yeah, listening yeah, yeah. to that. I was, was so driving good. all around Houston. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was very good. And I think they brought up this point too, which is that uh, if you, really want to challenge your priest if you want to help him grow Mm -hmm. first you have to develop an actual relationship with him wow and so um to let him know that he's cared for because if my correction of somebody so to speak is not coming out of a relationship that is built on love and on trust then whatever that correction is uh even if it's true is not going to be perceived that way and it's not going to be taken well and so i have an obligation to build that relationship with somebody if I want them to um, receive the correction in the best possible way. So it's not helpful, like again, online, if people are like, you know, you should do this, or this was bad, or this was wrong. I'm like, I don't think that you care about me, so I'm not actually going to listen to you. But if it comes from somebody who I know actually does want me to succeed and does want me to uh, succeed, there is probably the wrong word, but does want me to uh, fall more deeply in love with Jesus mm-hmm. Christ and be uh, a better shepherd, to be a better uh, leader, to be a better priest, uh, then I'm a lot more likely to take that uh, criticism, to take that insight, whatever it is, to heart. Uh, but if it just comes out of nowhere, and if it's from somebody that I don't know, I'm really not going to pay as much attention to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pat- Patrick, are you I back? Agree. Yeah, I'm back. Yeah, how, was, yeah. how was the bathroom? It wasn't the bathroom. <laughs> Was it a work thing? It was. So my, my phone was ringing. I had to run down and let our secretary know that I will not be ordering lunch today because I have. Mm. Sa- best part Best part about being a youth minister is that when dinner is leftover, I get leftovers. Oh. That's, so Monday that's and the best Tuesday, part? That's the best part. I hope you enjoy part. the cold pizza. Yeah. It's not cold pizza this time. Cause, I don't believe you. Cause we, <laughs> <laughs> it used to be cold pizza. But now it's th- cold spaghetti. Now it's cold spaghetti or cold tacos or cold salad, which is supposed <laughs> to be cold. So that's fine. But <laughs> or cold but, spaghetti tacos. Father, I'm oh. curious. I I see in you a bright, bright future of podcasting. Mm-hmm. Is the Spicy Nugs podcast going to continue to grow and take off as it has been? Or are you moving on to other projects to to grace your voice, to grace with your voice? So here's here's the only way I think that you can approach the internet in general. Okay. Um, <laughs> Here we go. Take notes. <laughs> yeah. Which is that you have to not care about success. Like wow. you have to just do it because it's something that you enjoy doing. I think you guys were talking about this too, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. But you don't want to become uh, – if the goal, the goal for the Spicy Nugs podcast is really – I mean it, it grew out of a joke. Yeah, and in my mind, it still is a joke. It's a joke that I deeply love. <laughs> and I can't, um, I can't stop making it. 
No, but I'm that's a the priest. Thing. I like, don't have children. Funny. I have jokes. Yeah, right? <laughs> my, my jokes are my children, and I love them all equally. <laughs> but um, it, it grew out of like I don't even know. Again, I think it was just a joke online, and we made it real, and that seems to me, at least, to make the joke even dearer to my heart. Incarnational humor. Amen. But, oh it, you know, what I love is that, uh, like, I like to see how Father Anthony grows in his editing ability week after week. Uh, I like to challenge myself to try and, and come up with better and better transitions mm-hmm. and, and do some different um, cover art for the podcast and all that kind of stuff. So it's like a little bit of a creative outlet. But it doesn't take too much time either, mm-hmm. which is nice because mm-hmm. it's, yeah. you know, it's a it's a less than 15 minute podcast that we record once a month. <laughs> which nobody in the world of podcasting would ever recommend you do a podcast like that because it's absolutely, and we've, we've already said like, we will never have guests. We will never review other places of food. All we are ever going to do is have us three on to talk about one item from Wendy's. (laughs) So there's no opportunity for crossovers. There's no no opportunity for, you know, expanding our audience. Nor should there be. Right. And, and none of us, I don't think, care about that at all. Like, we're not going to set up, no offense to any podcast that has a Patreon page, this one included, right? Ouch. We're not going to set up a Patreon for a Spicy Nugs pod because yeah. why? You know, yeah, why? You so don't you need can, it. You can buy us Wendy's. I mean, that's going to, that would just be <laughs> so absurd. So oh I think my gosh. if you approach it in the sense of, I'm doing this simply because I um, love it. Uh, I don't care who listens to that to that podcast. If more people listen to it, I think that's great. Every time we get another follower on the on the podcast account, or I look at the um, the the limited amount of statistics I get from the free account from Podbean or whatever it is, like, <laughs> it just makes me smile, and that's really yeah. all I'm interested in with mm. that. Wow! But it's the same kind of thing in general, like online on social media. I think if you approach it of like I have to build my brand, <laughs> oh, wow. like it's just going to drive you insane, and it's it going to put you, I think, in a in an unfortunate headspace to think about, you know, not so much what is it that I want to do and invite people into that if they are interested in it, but how do I appeal to a bigger and bigger audience? Um, I I would hope that people, for example, who read my tweets, nobody looks at those and says wow, he's really trying to gain followers here. Mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, like I say, don't follow me on Twitter. Uh, if you are following me, unfollow me. Thankfully, Jake has taken that advice. Um, <laughs> because it's your choice how you spend your time online. Nobody can make you read somebody else's tweets. Nobody can make you listen to somebody else's podcast. Nobody can make you respond or reply to any of these things. As Father Alec would say, nobody can, nobody can force you to reply on Twitter. Nobody can make you do it. Um, so if you just recognize that this is, uh, a place for fun, for lightheartedness for me, mm-hmm. I think that's the key. Once you start to take it overly seriously, yeah, I think you're going to get yourself into some trouble. Yeah. That's the, uh, people always ask me about my, a lot of my students at Tulsa will ask me about my experience at K-State being a student and everything. And I always say I wasn't really a student at K-State. I just spent four years building a brand. And it's like a joke, but also <laughs> also kind of not. Um, like I have a degree and and, all, and I earned the degree and I worked hard for that degree. But um, I more time of my of my life was spent on Twitter than than I should care to admit. Like it was it was pretty bad. Um, like Patrick said, my Twitter addiction was was real. And sure. I mean, because of that, a lot of good that like the, this is how great the Lord is that he can bring great stuff out of bad stuff you know it's like because of that we have this podcast and we've been able to to reach people and talk to people and i 
in part became a missionary because of all of that stuff. And like, mm. it's, it's all kind of interconnected and related. Um, but now like looking at how I use Twitter then and how I use Twitter now, it's, uh, and how I look at the podcast and how I do these things is because, because I genuinely love it because I love to make people laugh. I love to make Patrick laugh. I love to have a place where I can unload all of the thoughts and the prayers and everything that I, that I've learned and have to say, um, in a place where people actually want to hear it and they're actually growing from it. And it's not just, a saying it because, oh, I think people will like me more if I do this, or I think people will give us yeah. more money or follow us. It's because this is, this is stuff that I really, really care about. And it's also stuff that a lot of other people care about. And it's a, it's like through the, the Patreon page and through the, the Facebook page that we have, like people are actually having real conversations and their lives are being changed just in small ways because of the stuff that we talk about and the stuff that like, um, May, we may or may not put on Twitter and it's just like because we because we take ourselves a lot less seriously than we used to it's actually way more fulfilling in a oh, way yeah. because it's not it's not empty and we're not chasing this this um what what would the the word this unattainable goal I guess we're not chasing this sort of empty promise of success quote unquote we're or making it yeah we're we're doing what we love to do and that's that's the the thing that fulfills us and so I think yeah, you absolutely hit the nail on the head, Father. Of like, you can't get too sucked in. You just got to do what you love to do as it as it can fit into your life with wherever you are. And if you do that, then people will like. Obviously, people respond very well to the stuff that you say. Like, Begome Saint became a meme because <laughs> it's just it was just a joke that you thought was funny, and you ran with it and you loved it. And everybody, it's like actually something that leads people to holiness. You know, that was the wildest thing to me. Like, yeah. I think it was just one day. Um, you know, every so often you'll, you'll, whatever gang becomes a, a, a meme on Twitter and you say, all right, such and such gang, let's, let's check in or whatever. Uh-huh. And so I was just like, all right, man, no sin gang. What are we all, how are we all doing? <laughs> and there were so many people who responded positively to that. And somebody I know actually, um, like they put an alarm on their phone that was at noon and it was like, no sin gang check in. Wow. Not as a reminder for them to tweet, but as a reminder for them to sort of do an examination of conscience. Wow. And so, like, to me, <laughs> that, that whole meme, every so often I'll just sort of um, look at the search results for No Sin Gang as well. And it's just always mind-boggling to me that people take this joke phrase, but if it helps them to actually mm-hmm. make a connection to Jesus Christ, if it helps them to grow in their relationship with him, if it helps them mm. to grow in holiness – then I've done my job. You know, when people talk about, okay, yeah, I'm going to confession, so I'm going to rejoin No Sin Gang. Even if part of their reason for going to confession was so that they could participate in the meme, <laughs> hey, guess what? They also got the sacrament too. Yeah. And that's yeah. really the goal. <laughs> yeah. So anything that I do that that helps people, and I think online this is sort of a, a particular thing, but anything that helps people get to confession, that seems to be the one that's uh, easiest to sort of meme people into <laughs> going to confession <laughs> online. Yeah. But but in any case, like because they see a priest who, uh, not just in myself, but in some of these other guys who are online too, who is understanding, who is compassionate. Hopefully, this is what they see at least not all the time because I'm not I'm not perfect either. Um, but when they see that, they say, you know what? Maybe I I could go and talk to this priest in my parish, who's not this one online and who won't be the same as this one. But at least this one here online gave me some encouragement and gave me some advice. And help me to feel more at ease about approaching a priest and about approaching the sacrament. And I get every so often messages about that. And I'm like, great. You know, I'm doing my job if there's a couple people who are 
uh, getting closer to Jesus because of this. Mm-hmm. Wow. Praise the Lord. Really? Amen. That's Amen. this is incredible stuff that's happening because of. Yeah. The fact that he will this. use uh, stupid people like yeah. me and no offense, you guys, right? the fact that he takes our um, idiocy yeah. and our lunacy and some people uses that to draw them closer to him. I do feel bad because there are people who, you know, come across my Twitter and they're like, oh, okay, this is a, uh, I don't like this. This is, you know, whatever, this is pushing me away from Jesus. I do pray about that. I don't know how frequently that happens. Sometimes I think it's just people who are projecting because they don't like jokes from me, mm-hmm. which is fine too. Like, I'm not going to be offended by that because again, I'm not trying to grow a brand. I'm just being who I am and I make dumb jokes a lot. Um, and if some people, it's not their sense of humor, it's like, okay, great. You don't have to follow me. You don't have to comment on these things uh, because I don't know you. Again, to go back to that, like mm-hmm. I don't know you. So your input is not going to be as valuable to me as somebody who I do know. And that's also kind of the danger of social media, right, is that we create these little um, bubbles, that we can create these echo chambers. So yeah. it is whenever that advice this comes image. up. We have this image of who we think we're supposed to be, and we have this image of who we think other people are supposed to be. And especially with the priesthood, we have this like image of what a priest is. But it's like Father Dan didn't become a priest. Father Dan became a priest. You know, it's like there's there's your personhood is not lost yeah. in your priesthood. It's like you were called to be a priest, and this is who you are. So this is who you're supposed to be in your priesthood. And like, I think I think what I think that just betrays. Not something in you, but in the other person is like they have this image of holiness. They're mm-hmm. mad that you're not there, but they're also probably mad that they're not there because if they were there, they wouldn't be mad at you for not being there, right? Like if if they were if they were really holy, they wouldn't be mad that you aren't quote unquote holy because they would understand holiness is not something that is like a, a cookie cutter sort of thing. It's like we all have this unique identity in Christ. It's it's funny because it's like we we're all absorbed into Christ, but also still individual. Yeah, there was a great thing that I heard about. Um, is it? I don't know. It's one of the the Teresas. I don't know if it's Teresa of Avila or Teresa of Lisieux, but something about that image of heaven of everybody being cups of water that are filled to the brim, but the cups yeah. are all different sizes. Yeah. Uh, so that's one way to look at it. Like, there's no point in in comparing myself to somebody else. Like, if my cup is full, if my cup is overflowing, that's great. But I can't be somebody else. And even when we look to the saints, right? Uh, that adage of God doesn't need another Teresa of Avila. He doesn't need another Teresa of Lisieux. He doesn't need another St. Paul. He doesn't need another whoever because he made you and he <sighs> wants you to become, you know, St. Ethan of, of Tulsa or St. Patrick wow. in Pittsburgh or something like that. That's crazy. Um, and that's, that's something that he wants from each of us is to become saints who we are, where we are, not in the model of somebody else. Now, if there are good things in their lives that we want to take inspiration from, awesome, but I'm not going to, I can't make my life be like somebody else's other than uh, to whatever extent I try to make my life like that of Jesus Christ. I think you really hit the nail on the head. I, for me, like I read the New Testament a lot and I'm like, man, St. Paul did this and this and this and this and this. So that means that I need to start doing this and this and this and this, and this. <laughs> which is not bad to like imitate one of the greatest saints and evangelists of all time. Um, but also it's like the Lord isn't calling me to, to be exactly like anybody else except himself. Um, and like, that's the beauty of, of Christ's like infinity and his, like 
his his eternal newness of like he always has something new for every single yeah. person and if we yeah. actually step into that and unite ourselves with him in the way that he desires us to unite with him personally and specifically then we have no reason to start to say like oh i need to be more like this or I need to be more like that it's only like every other saint exists so that we can then become more united with christ in the way that we need to you know what i mean mm-hmm. like that's that's the goal not to become another saint whoever but like to to complete the union for us and it's like mm-hmm. i i'm scared to do that because i don't know what i know i can like see clearly what other saints lives look like and be like oh that's a, i could do mm-hmm. that but i'm scared of what my own sainthood looks like so that's a very good reminder father thank you yeah it is um scary to think about becoming a saint right because we don't <laughs> necessarily know what that looks like or what that feels like in our own (laughs) lives but the invitation to follow christ has always has a little bit of that fear i think because uh, as john paul ii right at his uh pontificate that opening speech of don't be afraid to follow christ and benedict quoted this i think right in his opening homily too when he became pope he said don't be afraid to follow christ because you actually lose nothing of what makes life good and beautiful and fully human but you gain everything and just to that invitation of getting over that fear that says, okay, if I'm going to become holy, that means I have to lose myself mm-hmm. in, in a negative way. Um, because you do, like you do lose yourself, but not in a way that um, detracts from who you are, but that helps you find who you really are. And that it's not like a complete mm-hmm. 180. It's not completely um, different. It's, it doesn't feel that way internally, I guess I would mm-hmm. say. Internally, you find who you were always meant to be. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Oh, is that from Ben Franklin? Yeah. (laughs) I think it was actually Thomas Paine Common Sense. That's actually... Oh, my Gandhi quote. I never got to say my Gandhi quote. Oh, okay. My my, my joke in Gandhi quote. Wait, hold on, Patrick, stop. I want you to call back to something 20 minutes ago right now. Could you do that, please? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hold on, hold on. I'm I'm texting you something real quick. Just just, just look at at your your phone. Okay. It says, says, screw you. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) How eche quam bonum. I don't know what that means. behold, Behold how pleasant and good it is when brothers dwell in unity. Wow. That's us, Pat. Well, it's the Gandhi. It's quote. us. What's the Gandhi quote? Go ahead. It was a, it was a joke because he he was saying, um, oh, praying for priests when they're giving a bad homily. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that reminds me of something Gandhi said: uh, love one another and pray for those who persecute you. Oh. It was a, it was another joke. <laughs> it was going to be a yeah. goof. That's funny. And then that your phone a, rang. That is a famous Gandhi quote. Then my phone rang. Yeah. And uh, Father and then Father Dan made the same joke twenty minutes later. That's perfect. But before time, time is a flat it. circle. Time is a wibbly wobbly. Never mind. <laughs> Don't you dare. Um, we're we're right about an hour. Um, I feel mm-hmm. like this is a good point to. This is the podcast sweet spot. This is the podcast sweet spot. I think we've hit it, and we've Father. This has been really really good. Thank you for this. I'm glad. It's Thanks been, guys for having me on. It's been a ton of fun uh, listening to you talk. You're a very um, you're soothing a, speaker. You're a soothing. I was going to say you're you're a man that I that I look up to and I admire a lot, and I just really appreciate you coming only on. Only because I'm taller than you. <laughs> it's, it's only a physical. <laughs> it's a it's only a physical thing. I've met. Have you met Father Dan in real life, Patrick? I haven't. You're unlucky because it's it's. Like I think standing I saw you at one of these conferences the last couple of years. Yeah, quite possibly. I saw Father everyone, Dan. Everyone once. should come. Everyone should come to him. Encounter Texas oh. in Dallas in September. Okay. Are you... Ethan, we should go to Encounter Texas. I would freaking love to, actually, if that's possible. It depends it is on possible. depends on the weekend, but we'll we'll talk. 
Um, I would rather encounter Jesus than Texas, but that's just me. Don't say that to people from Texas. (laughs) It used to be encounter Houston, which again is much better than encountering Texas. Uh, Father Dan, do you have any final closing thoughts? Anything that you want to leave the people with just a brief send off? This is usually if you had a book, we would plug it here, but you don't really have a book. So, I mean, you could listen to spicy nugs pod, but, uh, (laughs) You know, that's that's entirely up to you. We will still make it whether or not people enjoy it because we have a good time doing it. Much like Wendy's food. <laughs> wow. Did you just roast Wendy's food? If only Wendy's roasted their own food instead of microwave. Wow. Wow. It's always fresh, never frozen. <laughs> not a uh, freezer in the place. Yeah, I believe they that's don't exist. They don't exist in that building. Um, what I would say is be yourselves and try in the midst of that to listen to what God is trying to say to you. He's always trying to tell you the same thing, really, frankly, over and over again, which is that he loves you very deeply, that he made you as good. Uh, can I go into a little bit of a longer spiel? Is that okay? Yeah, please, please. This is, this is what I always like to tell people. God has said two things about you, at least two things about you in the scriptures that we can find. The first is in the book of Genesis when he creates everything. And that's the stars and the sun and the trees and the chipmunks and bears and all that kind of stuff. And he looks at his creation and he says, this is good. And then he makes human beings. He makes man and woman in his own image and likeness. And he says, this is very good. So there's a sense just by each one of us existing that we are this pinnacle, this crown jewel of God's creation. And that's something that we forget a lot about. We don't tend to think of ourselves as very good or delightful in the eyes of God, even Mm -hmm. though we are. That's what he said about us. The other place is in the New Testament where Jesus is baptized in the Jordan by John, right? Very dramatically, the heavens open up above him and the spirit comes down like a dove and he hears the voice that says, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. At the moment of our own baptism, not as dramatically, but uh, the same thing happened to us that God the Father looked at each one of us and said, you are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter. And these two things form the core of who we really are. And we forget that so often because we've placed more importance not on what God has said about us, but we place the importance on what other people say about us. We place the importance on uh, what we think or what we say about ourselves. Uh, but then we lose who we really are. And so if that's the only thing that I can leave people with is just to remember who you really are. Remember the gift that was given to you in baptism and let that sense of God's overpowering and overflowing love for you Try and let that abide in your heart. It doesn't make life perfect. It doesn't make life easy, but it does give you strength and courage and grace that you need just simply to take whatever the next step forward is for you. Wow. Thank you, Father. That's what I want everybody to know and remember all the time. So Forever. I say that a lot, which is why it was like very easy for me to... No. That's my that's my <laughs> conference talk. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Now go, go have My fun staying up all night, like, you crazy kids. How many hours of sleep did you get last night? Who here got less than four hours of sleep? We're encouraging unhealthy behavior to make it easier to emotionally manipulate these teenagers later in adoration. Yay! Yay! Oh, we did it. Oh, you figured out the secrets. We okay. really did. Well, it's not really a secret. We all we all lived through it. Only so many times <laughs> you can go to those cult meetings before you realize, wait a minute. <laughs> am i being where'd all my money go <laughs> am i being deprived of sleep for monetary gain by matthew kelly uh, um we're gonna get emails we are gonna get emails <laughs> it's okay hey patrick do you have uh do you have anything else for the people remember folks as the wise father dan flavachny has said be gone oh, pretty good thank you be gone pretty safe. good on that pronunciation
I practice. We've been working on it, workshopping. Amen. All right. Thank you, Father, for being here. Thank you all for listening. Please pray for all of us, and we for sure will be praying for you. We'll see you next week. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.